now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dana Dunbar, an award-winning novelist who holds a master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. Dana had a life-changing extraterrestrial encounter in 1994 while camping in Sedona, Arizona. Today, we're going to talk about that and more. Dana, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. It's wonderful to be here. Dana, can you first tell us about your extraterrestrial experience? Yes. In June of 1994, I went camping with my then girlfriend, a friend of mine uh, that I worked with told me about this kind of secret camping spot in Sedona and um, went there up a three, three miles up a rutted out road. You can't even get up there now. And uh, was found a site on uh, this beautiful Red Rock Plateau with spires uh, all around us. And when we got there, there was already a beautiful medicine wheel on the site. And um, we camped two or three days. And then we went down and to town. And um, when you're in Sedona, you go to New Age bookstores. That's mm-hmm. what you do. And so we went into one and saw on the board and in the, in the entryway that there was a meditation starting in just a few minutes and so we said yeah let's do that and um started a meditation with this wonderful man named Richard Danley and we didn't know his name at the time but uh he we did a kind of a normal meditation and it was lovely it was just the two of us and but at the end he said we are now calling in a mothership to come and hover over the building. And Chris and I, my girlfriend, we just looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, it's so Sedona. How fun is that? You know, we're like, this is so cool. And um, then we left, we bought his book, which is Sedona UFO Encounters and Planetary Ascension. And we went and it was more like a memento kind of thing to buy his book. Because it wasn't something that we thought, well, surely there has to be life in the universe, other life than us. But, you know, this was far beyond uh, anything that I had ever considered as far as encou- having an encounter or even seeing a UFO. So went back to the campsite and um, had a wonderful meal and sunset was gorgeous. And then went to the medicine wheel and um, put on some beautiful music and um, kind of did danced and walked the medicine wheel. And it was just, you know, being in nature, I really understand why tribal people um, will, you know, be moved to dance and, and, you know, under the stars. Uh, And it was lovely. And then went back to the campfire and I looked up at one point, and it was this, it was this constellation Scorpio on in the sky, kind of on the horizon almost. And there was one star that started to move. And I just gasped and it, it started to kind of swim away like this. And I said to Chris, I said, it's, that's moving. And she turned around and she said, Oh my God, it is. And we just both stood there awestruck and something inside of me just said, was looking I said we see you if you want to communicate we're here and immediately the light turned and started coming back toward us like this 
and it came and came right in front of us. And um, it was kind of an orange hue and it was like spinning light. And then we noticed that there were two other lights smaller that, that almost like popped in. All of a sudden we saw them and they were kind of hovering, you know, these, they, they didn't go by the law of physics. These, these ships, what we knew at this point were ships. They kind of were like hovering and moving, but they were smaller little pricks of light. And then the big one was in front of us. And um, I said, I was like, Chris, they want to talk to you. <laughs> and because I was, I was scared. And um, she said, um, okay, I'm going to go out to the medicine wheel. And she went out there because we felt like somehow the medicine wheel had helped call them in. And she went out and laid down. And because that's how she meditated, she would lay down. And immediately I saw a beam of light come out of her. And one thing that um, I knew about Chris and why I thought that they were wanting to talk to her is because she had been able to astral travel and leave her body and go somewhere else. She had been able to do it once and she'd always wanted to do it again. And I thought, she, they, you know, they must be wanting to talk to her because she has that ability. So she went out, laid down, and I saw a beam of light shoot up from her body onto, into the ship and then come back down. And it was like this connection almost being made between her body and the ship. Uh, and I just was like, oh, you be good to her. And right, and I immediately, I heard a voice that said, don't worry, we will. And it was a female voice. And it was a voice that I actually recognized because for the past six months, I had been meditating, just doing like mindfulness practice, you know, basically trying to calm my breath and my mind. And it, every time I would close my eyes in meditation, this energy would come this, and it was like this, it felt like this being would come and sit in front of me and not talk really, but just be there in, in, in this loving connection. And I was so, I had never had anything like this happen to me before. And, um, I, I was so shocked by it. And I would, I told a few people and I said, I don't know what's going on here. And, but she would be there every time. And she told me her name was Kaya. And that was the voice that I heard in when she said, don't worry, we will. And I was like, oh my God, Kaya, is that you? And she said, yes, it is. And so we started to have a, a conversation tele telepathically. And um, I said, you know, all the kind of normal questions in that situation, like, why are you here? And she said, we're here because this is a major hotspot in the universe this planet is going through a huge transition right now and it's going you it's going to human race is either going to evolve and uh transition to a whole completely different level of being um and consciousness or it it may go the other way and we're here observing and we're also here holding for the evolution to happen she did tell me that they were not going to 
interfere or, you know, come in directly and, um, you know, make some big move and introduce themselves and try to in interfere in the evolution, but that they were holding for it, kind of holding a container of light and love. And then we just sat there in this beautiful, loving presence for I don't know how long. And I was watching and the light kept going from Chris. And uh, then all of a sudden the light went away and she came back, walked, got up and walked back over. And she told me her story and I'm not, I don't tell her story because that's hers, but uh, it was a profound experience that she had on the ship. Um, very similar actually um, in, in that there's just so much loving there. And I said, well, I was in the middle of a conversation or experience. I'm going to finish it. And she said, yes, you should. So I went out to the medicine wheel myself and I sat down and, uh, you know, crossed my legs, closed my eyes. And I said, okay, I'm ready to come up. And she hesitated and she, I could tell she was talking to communicating with other beings and she came back to me and she said, I'm sorry, you can't come here. And I said, well, I was just crushed. I was like, why not? She got to. And she said, your energy body won't tolerate it. You're not ready. Hmm. And um, I said, okay, well, can you come here then? And she said, yes, I can. And it was this very happy yes. And I got the feeling that if I hadn't asked, she would have not come. But it was the invitation that made it where she said, yes, I will come. And immediately, again, I was closed my eyes again, because that's how we'd always communicated. And I felt her presence very strongly, more strongly than ever. And I realized I could open my eyes and I actually saw an outline of her face and her shoulder and her uh, uh, and her neck and I was just again I was like ah! and and then it was so profound uh the campfire was burning behind me and the smoke you know how when you hold a flashlight into smoke and it it makes the beam look solid that's what happened. The smoke went over her energy body and filled out the side of her face and her neck and her torso. And she was just so beautiful. And I was just breathtaking. And that was possibly, I mean, it was such a cool night, but that was possibly the coolest moment of all. Uh, and I actually put that in moment in my book and I could see her and she was hairless and she had her eye was bigger, but she was long and lean and tall and beautiful. And we sat there and just, it, it was so amazing because she had all this technology and could beam herself here and there and beam people up to the ship. And what she was most interested in was love, just being in the loving. And she wanted to touch me desperately it was like she was looking at me like the most precious thing she had ever seen in her life. Like I would look at, you know, a, a, a baby uh, snow leopard in the wild or something, just like <gasps> just this magical being. And she reached out and tried and put her hand on my shoulder. And 
it went inside of my body and all of a sudden my my energy body went <laughs> like this like i couldn't handle it i said you can't touch me and she pulled her hand away and i could tell she was disappointed like she wanted to like literally just hold me and like cuddle me and but but i couldn't handle it my energy her her energy was so intensely high that it just was like whoa i couldn't i couldn't deal with it so she pulled her hand away and then we just sat there in this beautiful space for Again, I, I'm not sure how long it lasted. And, and finally, I said, I guess I should go back to Chris. And she said, yes, you should. And I got up and, and walked back to the fire. And Chris and I just hugged each other and just tears coming down our faces. And, and then we just sat there and watched the ships for two or three more hours. And they were just doing things that were just amazing like coming in and out of you know they were there and then not and moving like in impossible ways and so quickly and and it was just the most sacred experience and then finally we went into the tent and went to sleep at like two o'clock in the morning and oh, it was so profound really and then the next day we went to this beautiful place in Sedona called West Fork on the creek and we documented the whole experience. And that's when I was guided by Kaya to that one day I would write a book about them. And it would be like a big adventure, sci-fi adventure story um, to share about this race of beings. Thank you for sharing your experience, Dana. Were you the type of person that was not really interested in aliens and UFOs prior to this? And if so, was that why you waited so long to tell your story? Yeah, I was, I wasn't again, it was, it was a novelty. It was kind of like, um, you know, any, you know, kind of paranormal thing for me. It was more of a novelty, like, a, and, and a fascination. I, it was like, of course, there seems that there would have to be intelligent life, other intelligent life than us in this giant, you know, infinite universe, pretty much infinite universe. And, um, but it was never something that I was into and was pursued or uh, read about or anything like that. It was, you know, anywhere from a bit of an eye roll to me, like, oh gosh, kooky, <laughs> you know? For sure. And to, um, to just, I don't really have time for that. You know, how does that affect me? And so um, I waited so long because first of all, it was such a sacred experience that I only told it was in, it in the most sacred possible context to people who I trusted would not be cynical and um, you know, I roll themselves and um Really, I, I would I would never do, okay sit in a restaurant and tell this story because it was I was like okay we're this has to be in a sacred space and um, also because yeah I didn't want it to be um, you know you know put into the world where there could be a kind of a worldly cynicism you know to it and I didn't want to be seen as you know somebody who was crazy lying you know, and, and unreliable, flaky. I didn't, I don't want to be seen like that. So that's why I've waited until now. Interesting that you mentioned that. How have your friends and family reacted to this? Amazingly well. Um, you know, I 
have only told a few people, select people before this, but I've been amazed how beautifully people have reacted. Some of my family has just not said anything. <laughs> they just don't. When If they, you know, have heard me talking about it, because I've posted about it now on Facebook uh, to my you know, to my friends and they just don't say anything about it. But um, I've had such a beautiful response. And I think part of that, Jeff, is that the U.S. government has just come out, as I'm sure you know, with acknowledging that there have been UFO encounters for decades that they didn't share. And, you know, that there's all this documented evidence by these fighter pilots and, you know, these, you know, very grounded dudes uh, who are, you know, flying these planes and stuff and going, wow, this is really happening. So that has also helped to open the door for me. I realize that you only saw Kaya as an energy body. Do you think that she was basically human-like, but hairless and even human in color or another color? That's a great question. Um, in my novel, I make her like this pearlescent white, but um, the other aliens uh, characters, I make all different colors. Um, so some are like purple, black and, you know, dark um, kind of almond color, almost like a, a you know, an Indian person uh, would be. And so I don't know because I did only see her energy body. And um, Chris on the ship only saw, we think that the man, the male being that she saw was in a, some kind of suit in order to make it where she could handle being in his presence, because that's what she said. She said it seemed like some, he was wearing something to be able to um, almost dim himself down for her. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what color she was. So a lot of it was when I was writing was just, you know, uh, my imagination, creativity. I did have a lot of downloads come to me after this experience. And that was a lot of quantum science, space travel, um, based on sac sacred, uh, geometry, um, and, um, healing, quantum healing, a lot of experience things that downloaded to me that I had no idea. I'm not a scientist at all. I'm a word person. And I, it was so amazing because um, even though I didn't get their skin color, uh, I did get some other things. And yes, they were very much human in that they were like two, two arms, fingers, legs, you know, so, so, anthropomorphic. I'm assuming that you incorporated a lot of the information from your downloads into your novel. I did. All of it actually um, is in the novel. And one thing that was so cool that happened was I kept seeing this image of a um, sphere that has a, a, a center axis that's empty and that goes like this. It's kind of like this. It moves, it turns this way and it goes like this. And I did not know what this was, but I kept getting this was um, how they traveled, space travel, also quantum healing, also free, clean energy is run off of this shape somehow. And I told a friend of mine about it who is a scientist, and he told me it was called a Taurus. 
uh, T-O-R-U-S. I'm sure a lot of your guests have heard of this because it's sacred geometry. I looked it up and I'm like, oh my God, that's it. And that is uh, central in the book, um, that technology um, and the the things I was shown about that. Um, it's it's really cool. It's what runs their spaceship and their, their ships and it's quantum travel. They actually can um, jump out of space-time and then jump back in through this technology. And um, it's just completely fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've talked to other guests about this, that the distances from our planet to other planets are so far that even traveling at the speed of light takes too long. So I was wondering if, you know, perhaps you're traveling like through consciousness and at the speed of thought, like maybe you get in some kind of conscious bubble and then you, you're instantly there and then you kind of pop back out. Yeah, exactly. So with this, the Taurus, what it does, it's a um, replica of the shape of the universe. So it's also uh, the shape of atoms, the shape of human consciousness. So the central channel with the, the um, chakras and the, the, the channel that goes up and then it co- comes around in, in our aura. And then the energy comes up through the root chakra and out through the crown chakra and around and is, you know, that's what creates our aura. That's where we are fed energetically um, from the universe. That's how the energy comes into our system. So, and if you think of galaxies, spiral galaxies, it's the same shape. So the uh, the central, uh, the center of the Taurus is if absolute infinite quantum field. And then out of that comes creation. And that's who knows how that happens, but it's it's consciousness that is coming into form through energy, and uh, that's exactly right. The, uh, the 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 beings they merge with the ship um, in consciousness, and then they jump, they they collapse out of the uh, the energetic form, space time, and into the quantum field, and then they have an intention of where they're going and then they come back in and it's all done through, through thought and consciousness. Yeah. Interesting that you use the words out of space time, which is kind of like where people go during their near death experience. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and in the book too, in the novel, there's a shaman because it takes place, um, in Guatemala, uh, part in Guatemala. It's, uh, the story is, why the earth didn't end on December 21st, 2012, and how an awakened race of extraterrestrial beings uh, interfered and saved the planet. And so it's uh, GeoQuest. It's part on this planet called Akara um, of these awakened beings, this awakened civilization that has actually gone through um, where we are now. And we call it my co-author Julia Nadine Pater and I wrote the novel and we call it um, the ravaging era. They went through that and then they had a spontaneous awakening because out of surrendering the fight and the fear and everything we're experiencing now and just, just surrendering, coming into a loving present consciousness. And then it had a, a, an effect that 
that affected the entire planet. Once they hit a tipping point of enough beings, it just, it, there was a spontaneous awakening worldwide. And now it's a thousand years later. And they the characters discover that there was a time capsule planted on Earth in a Mayan pyramid by one of the space commanders from the ravaging era. And they have to come and save the planet before the end of the Mayan calendar. So it's a geo quest through Guatemala, through Mayan ruins, and uh, really a lot of fun, big, you know, sci-fi epic adventure. It's kind of like a cross between a sci-fi movie like Star Wars and then kind of like, um, gosh, what are one of those movies where like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, exactly. It's like Indiana Jones, Star Wars and the, the Da Vinci Code. Um, if people have seen the Celestine Pro- or read the Celestine Prophecy. Um, so yeah, it has all those kinds of elements to it. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we're, one of the things that was guided in a big way for me by Kaya was that rather than write this and even speak about it at the time, I was just now guided to start speaking about this true story. A nonfiction, you know, version of these beings, like to talk about them. She said, I needed to write a story about them, write stories so that it would could get to a mainstream audience. If you look at something like the movie The Matrix, right, or even Star Trek, Star Wars and the Force, these are reaching people in a way that nonfiction not, doesn't necessarily reach people. Um, and it's just because people want to see stories, you yeah. know, it's just such a, uh, we, we are storytelling people. That's how we learn. We don't want to just always sit and get information downloaded to us. You know, we want storytelling. And so that was the guidance. And that's when I started writing right after that, I was guided. You have to start writing. And it took me 20 years of writing novels. I'm a twice published author by Valentine before this to even to teach myself how to write this. And then I still needed my brilliant co-author, Julia, to come in and help me because it's this, I mean, writing about an awakened world is, you know, like to pull that off. It's, it was a lot. It took several years of work to, to get it into the world. And um, so, but I'm so excited because I feel like it's been this thing that's been calling me for, you know, ever since my encounter in 94. Well, congratulations with not only finishing it, but sticking with it because, you know, a lot of people will start stuff, but never finish it. Yeah, it was, it's been a true labor of love. I I mean, if if it weren't for spirit uh, guiding me and pushing me and I would have never even started writing. I was so insecure. I was like, I can't do this. I, I, I was a big reader. I loved authors and I put them on pedestals like, oh, I could never do that. And so it took just such, you know, beating me over the head pretty much um, with making my life not work at all, <laughs> you know, and, and then it was like, okay, okay, I'll start writing. And so I did and had to write a bunch of other stuff, um, which I'm pr- very proud of, uh, to get to the place where I was prepared really co- in consciousness, um, in my own evolution spiritual evolution but also as a writer um to pull this off and like i said julia smartest person i know profound consciousness 
um, came in to help me um, because it was just, it was like, I feel like it was like putting my arms around the sun, trying to write about an awakened civilization of alien beings and, and, and make it um, fun and adventurous and, you know, and this story come together in a way that is, um, you know, a, a great experience for readers. I don't know if it's possible, but can you speculate what percentage of the information in your novel is actually true? Um, <clears throat> you know, it's not a huge percentage. I do put the um, my experience of uh, the encounter in the novel. My my um, people in, who are in Guatemala are in a very different situation than I was in. They are in the jungle, but it, they're in a very different situation with um, a group of, a, a gang of, of narcos who are kind of, uh, ha- have them tra- trapped in the jungle. It's they're there because they've been kidnapped and the, uh, uh, the aliens don't know this and they're looking for guides to help them find the time capsule in the, in a pyramid. And so um, that's a very different context, but mm. the actual encounter, I use a lot of that in that. And it's so beautiful when I got to write <clears throat> the, um, the encounter part of the story. Mm. And when they come together, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it was such a rewarding experience to write that. And then uh, all the technology. Um, yeah. Yeah, all, pretty much all the technology is from is tr- is true as as far as what was given to me um, through. And oh, this is very cool. So afterwards, I, I have no idea. I am not a scientist, as I said. So I had no idea if this technology was even based theoretically um, possible. And so I, I, through a miracle, I met a NASA aerospace engineer who's a huge sci-fi fanatic and an atheist, by the way. Um, and he read the book and vetted it, all of the science to see if it was even, if it, if it was theoretically possible. And Jeff, all of it was, wow. I couldn't believe it. I get chills. I'm like, when I found that out, I was like, oh my God, that is incredible that he's like oh yeah you're good to go he made a few tweaks that were super cool actually so one of the things that was downloaded to me is their um they have material that um so carrying around food or or anything a bag right or plastic bags they're carrying they can take this material and put it in their hand and and just like put pressure on it like this and it will dissolve and uh, and I and he said yes, that's theoretically possible. However, there would be something left over, and so he said, just make it where there's a little water in their hand when they when when because there it would have to break down into something. And so he said, just make it where their hands wet, and that's what it's breaking down into. So it's that kind of thing that it, you know is just changing things just a little bit. But really, all of it, he said, was, you know, yeah, this is this is right on as far as being possible. And that was kind of more what I was leaning to is like the science and maybe some of the philosophy that they, that Kaya taught you. Kind of yeah. like in the Da Vinci Code, I think in the very beginning, they say all descriptions of art in this 
book are true or something like that. If you remember. Yes. Yes. The fact I, I love how the Da Vinci code starts. It starts mm-hmm. out the facts or oh, fact. Uh-huh. And then he gives the fact of like, this is, you know, the, the painting da 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 fact, you know, the priori of scion is a gr- actual group. I love that. So yes. Thank you for, for clarifying. So yes, the, the science and the teachings absolutely throughout there's, And it's so beautiful because there are all these groups now starting all over the planet visioning our possible future and and down to the, you know, point is what was downloaded to me about what an awakened society would look like. And um, so oneness, consciousness uh, is huge. Um, The idea of there being... You, there, it's not um, dog eat dog <laughs> capitalism that it, free, food is free to everyone. They have what are called free markets where wherever you go, you go in and you just get what you need. And because everybody knows that they are everyone else, they don't take more than they need. Um, that's a huge thing. There's also, you know, what is I call like a sacred economy where there's a foundational um standard of living for everyone and then if people want to go above and beyond that and create more and have more and do more then they can do that that's up to them but there's a foundational housing food um clothing and another thing that was uh downloaded was uh, they have what I, is called entelechy academies do you know what the word entelechy means Mm-mm. so entelechy means the the divine purpose that is born within you so the entelechy of an acorn is to become an oak tree it's born within it knows where it's going and what it's supposed to become and how to get there it's just an an unfoldment of this the seed within you that is meant to blossom and so we have our own entelechy within us of what's born within us to do in each lifetime and so uh, they go to something called when they're young Intelliki Academy, and um, that's where the characters are when they, when the the book starts. They're the young these young um, candidates for the Discovery Corps, the space um, the space corps on the planet, um, and uh, they're at Intelliki Academy figuring out what they want to do, and then experiencing um, that these different paths possible paths so that was also part of the download and um so just supporting what is our true calling rather than um you know you need to make money and you need to you know be responsible and um basically kill all your dreams you know to have a stable life um that kind of you know um you know urgency that we're under when we're young to kind of make money, get a house, push to do something that isn't our calling and in order to um, be safe, basically, you know, small and safe. Can you share with us some of the most surprising things that you learned either from the downloads or direct communication with Kaya? surprising things well the Taurus was hugely surprising also I saw very clearly that earth is in a uh, process of transition and 
um, what the vision was is that um, these layers of consciousness, basically, um, that and, and Earth is moving up through them. And it was kind of like this. It was kind of moving up this way and that we're on this transition from and uh, you know people call it you know 3d to 5d you know reality um and that um right now it's this phase transition that we're in and there's a um it's it's like uh, water goes through a phase transition when it goes from being just Temp room temperature to heating up, heating up, heating up, and then it boils. And then the transition is when it becomes steam, right? So that phase transition, that turbulence has to happen in order for that basic, that, that kind of fundamental change in the nature of the substance to happen. So that's where we are now. And that's what they're hold they're holding right now. That's why it's almost like we're we're the best entertainment in the universe, you know, that we're, this is, this is the place to be. It's like, what is going to happen to earth? And so we're in that turbulence right now. And what can happen is something that we can't really even imagine um, almost because it can be that different from room temperature water to steam that in it's beautiful because it's like going from kind of this density to this incredible lightness and freedom and, and, uh, and even in our bodies are going to be more free. Um, the things that we'll be able to do with our consciousness, our intentions, our thoughts can happen and, and, and manifest so much faster. And that's true both. And I, I, I assume your people who are watching know are kind of experiencing this, that when you intend something negative, the karma, the, the reaction in the universe is so intense and quick, so much faster than it was. And also the positive side of that as well. So I saw that happening. I saw the earth moving up through these levels and that we're moving into this, you know, that this transition is happening. Um, and that has gotten more and more because that was in 1994. And so this experience that I had and what I was shown has absolutely played out exactly as far as like we are, this, this is coming and this, it's like really, really crucial that all of us who are uh, available to awaken, set a clear intention, come into our own awakening and clear our shadow work right? Because everything that we're seeing outside of us is within, and we can clear that within our own consciousness, forgive our judgments of what we're seeing out there, come into this loving, because like I said, these beings, she was so much, she, all she really cared about was love. So the answer is love. It's not technology. It's not the, and this was another thing that was very important that came through, it's not that the technology saved them. It's that they, the, their consciousness out of the consciousness of awake, awaken, awakeness came the technology that supported the, the uh, thriving of their civilization. So in the book, it's they come out of the ravaging era, they wake up in consciousness, and then this brother and sister team discover this Taurus technology that pulls them out of this age of darkness because they've pretty much ruined all of their resources and have been in this battle to, for final resources for decades. And so 
that is hugely important as well um, as far as the uh, the technology is not going to save us. It's our consciousness that we have to come into. And then out of that technology will flourish that will help support where we're going. Right now, you think there is so much ego-based dark entertainment, and it's hard to find TV and movies that are not like that. And I believe you're trying to change this, starting with this novel. Can you tell us more about it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are two kind of intentions downloaded to me um, after my encounter. And one was to write about these beings and the, the messages that they have to share. And also the other one was to help change the entertainment industry and the publishing industry so that it we have more entertainment built on light, a vision of humanity that is not this, I mean, really what it's come down to is like this sociopathic vision of humanity. Um, and, you know, these were these parasitic breed monsters who are just, you know, um, the, the worst parts of human uh, consciousness are being portrayed over and over 90% of what is available to us um, these days almost is, is this dark uh, entertainment. And so I just know, I mean, I think of the kinds of stories that are out there that could be um, shared, um, like uh, people, you know, Ramana Maharshi or, um, you know, Yogananda's memoir, you know, autobiography of a yogi. What, what about that as a, a movie? Wouldn't that be amazing? So you know, that's the kind, there's so many possible stories and there are people telling these stories, spiritual fiction, spiritual storytelling is a thing, but the entertainment industry and the publishing industry do not take it as a, as a illegitimate genre. And so the movie soul that just came out, if you all haven't seen the movie soul, have you seen it? I have not actually. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's an animated film by Pixar and it's total spiritual fiction. Will Smith is producing The Alchemist and it's coming out as a film. Assume finally it was written in the 80s. Um, so it, the time is right, but we have to support this kind of storytelling and not just, I'm not saying get rid of all of the serial killer cop shows. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, people are into them. I get it. But let's have some balance, you know, let's go for like some 50, 50, or even 70, 30, like with some really uplifting, uh, profound storytelling that teaches us while we're, we're watching and being entertained. This is where story's always been. Look at what Jesus did. He told stories to share and, and look, they, they still are alive. And, and every day people are talking about the stories he told. They're so powerful. So yeah, that's a big part of what we're trying to do. And um, yeah, I'm hoping people will read spiritual fiction and, and, and watch and whenever something comes out to support it so that we can have more on the menu because it has to make money. We know yeah, that. Yeah. Things have to make money and they have to, if they, you know, a bunch of sales gives power enough. And then if, you know, the vision is to start like a spiritual, you know, fiction, like publishing company and be able to say, let's do that. Oh yes. That person's writing something important. Oh yeah. TV series based on, you know, really fun, you know, sp people, spiritual people like us 
doing things. What is our, what is our life about? Not just the worst possible sociopaths or people falling in love yet again, you know, it's like fine, but who needs another romantic comedy? We've seen a lot of them, you know, we've seen so many, it's like, this is new. This is something really new. And that's what, um, you know, a friend of mine just said, you know, you are really sod busting here in trying to, to create a spiritual story in the world. And I was like, you know, that's Trump from Oklahoma. That really resonates. <laughs> I'm sod busting. So, yeah. Well, I agree with you. And you may or may not know this, but I had the producer from the movie What Dreams May Come on as a guest. And we talked about that. It was very difficult to get that movie done. And I think in general, it is difficult in the industry to get spiritual movies out. I also agree with you that they have to make money. And I think ultimately they may have to appeal to the younger generation. And I guess you have to combine spirituality with action, kind of like in Star Wars and The Matrix are good examples of that. Exactly. Yeah. And people have compared our novel to those books in particular. We have some wonderful testimonials from some really lovely spiritual authors and luminaries. And, uh, you know, they say like Star Wars and the Matrix, this is an epic tale. Um, And, you know, with spiritual elements to it and Avatar Avatar is another one. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, those movies can, you know, these this it's so important that that spiritual fiction and and those you know they touch on things but they don't really fully go there as far as what they're really talking about you have to infer more and i want to just open the door it's time for us to come out of the closet really with that consciousness and spirituality are what is so key for us to evolve and to make it through where we are right now and the kind of mess that we're, we're in from the ego have running amok. I hope your book does so well that we will see it on the big screen soon. Thank you. I tell you, it's amazing. Almost all of our readers are saying it needs to be a movie. So we keep hearing that over and over and that would be really amazing. That would be a game changer, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think would hopefully open the door for a lot of other projects that are similar. Do you think that it's possible that a lot of science fiction television and movies are basically soft disclosure that's happening? And, you know, somehow the being some other realms are communicating with authors and writers like you. They may not be openly doing it like it's had with you, but even like unconsciously. I think so. Oh, yes. I mean, there's so much, as you know, from all your your podcasts and all these amazing stories that you facilitate uh, into the world, which thank you so much, by the way. It's really profound for me. I listen to your to your shows all the time and, and I'm you. so moved. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's so much uh, help that we're receiving from the other side beyond the veil that, you know, we, we take on when we come into this realm and, in you know, take on these bodies, but then we get these glimpses and we get help. We get, we receive, you know, help. I mean, it's, it's power, powerful. Just this morning I was meditating and felt that, you know, just asked for, for presence to come. And it did, it was just, with me so powerfully. I mean, I had tears coming uh, down my eyes because, you know, doing this book is a, it really is 
sometimes I feel very lonely in it because it's not something that's supported by the powers that be. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that I feel like, you know, Julie and I have this vision and we're trying to get it into the world, but it's a, there's a lot of, you know, walls in the normal, um, way things are done. And, um, so it feels really, it can feel really challenging. And so this morning I was just like, spirit, please help me, you know, know that I'm on the right path. And I just felt this presence come in and it was so powerful and profound and could not have come from me. What, what was happening and the energy that was moving in my body. And, uh, so yeah, I absolutely know that we're receiving help all the time. And a lot of it is asking if we ask for it. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end. So I got to let people know where to get your book. It's available on Amazon in e- and, and all other online retailers. Uh, it's available in ebook and um, in paperback. And I've got to show the paperback because I'm really proud of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's so pretty. Mm. Um, the two-tone eye is the eye of the alien, uh, the, pre- the main character alien. His name is Mobius. And um, and it's also an audiobook, and it's our narrator is su- such an incredible narrator. And it our website is called awakethenovel.com, and there's some really cool uh, imagery on there from the novel. You can buy the book through there, um, read about it. There's an awesome book trailer that was created by um, the an award-winning uh, filmmaker who's a huge fan of the book, did it for free. Um, and he wrote, he uh, created the Samadhi films and Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds. They've had 30 million views on YouTube. I mean, he's amazing. So our book trailer rocks. Um, and so, yeah, you can check out and we talk about the rebirthing and we talk about the entertainment industry and, and our blog on there. So lots to see and experience. And I would love to hear from any of your viewers, you know, who pick up the novel or have any questions or anything like that, you can reach me through there. Is it best to reach out to you on your website? Yeah. Yeah. Just reach. Yeah. Awakethenovel.com. Reach me through the website. It's very easy. And you can sign up. Actually, we give I, this story um, is in a beautiful PDF form with images and everything, pictures. Um, if they sign up on for the newsletter, they, uh, they'll get the written version of my experience, my encounter. Well, now that the book is finished, what are you up to next or what's your next project? Well, thanks for asking. Um, We are hoping again, if it has enough success that we can uh, continue doing this um, to write the prequel, uh, which would be the time in the uh, on a planet Akara when it's still the ravaging era and the people who we call the wise ones, um, the ones who have walked away from the conflict and the e- ego-based um, consciousness uh, and, you know, fear and hatred and have gone to what are are called vital zones on the planet because the planet's pretty much destroyed at that point Um, during the ravaging era. They've pretty much destroyed their planet. And so they go, these wise ones go to the vital zones on the planet where there's there's still enough clean air to live and still can plant and and have um, some level of quality of life and uh, very remote places on the planet. And um, 
do work, healing work, trauma work, um, awakening work to awaken themselves, clear themselves of what they've been through for generations and, um, and wake up. And then that's when there's this spontaneous awakening across the planet. Uh, so we want to write about that era. So the prequel is next. Are you still in communication with Kaya and or are you still getting downloads? I am still in communication with Kaya. She's, she is the guardian angel of this project, um, for sure. She doesn't come and sit in front of me so much and talk to me like she used to. It's not so, but she, I can just feel her all the time. And I, I um, ask for her help and her guidance. And I feel that support there. And then, yes, already the, you know, what it would look like to have, um, you know, where we are, like, you know, even if you think 20 years in the future, what's that going to look like? And how are we as awakening beings, conscious beings going to handle this crisis and come together in a way that affects the entire planet? So I'm having a, yes, Julie and I both were having quite a few downloads about what that looks like. Before we finish up, can you share with us one last positive message? I think the message, the most profound message is love and forgiveness. Uh, These beings, what they came out of to get to where they are now, they had to do so, there's such deep forgiveness. And if if you're on the planet right now, there's something to forgive every day, you know, something to look within you and say, can I let that go? Can I love this situation, this being in front of me, regardless of what happened, what the story is? And it's funny because I'm such a storyteller, but letting go of our stories of the other as enemy, ourselves as victims, um, and sending light so that we do not add to the totality of negativity on the planet. That's our job as light beings right now. Light bringers is to bring that light, bring the love in every way we can in your daily, just every day, whoever you see in your life on a daily basis and send love to Ukraine, send love to the environment and really hold a vision and I'm part of a group that, that is holding this vision. We meet every week, hold a vision of an awakened future for planet Earth, what that would look like. If you read the novel, you get an idea of what these beings say it will look like. And, um, you know, hold that vision in your heart, because when we agree on something, when we come in consciousness and we agree on, on something and we set our intention for it, that's what we become. That's why story is so important and what we see is what we become. So hold that vision and support spiritual storytelling in any way that you can. Dana, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest today. I really appreciate you. And I hope your book is massively successful. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for everything that you do. It's really important what you're doing. You're bringing beautiful stories into the world. So I'm so grateful. Thank you. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. 
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.